Welcome to Enjoy the Wonder. I'm Unji. I'm Wonhi. I'm Matt. And welcome to the podcast. Woo woo! Wow! Um, Jesus edition. <laughs> this week is a little bit different. We don't have a live guest on here with us, mm-hmm. and for some reason, I'm. In the leader seat. Yes, he is. He did so good last time. He's going back to back. Oh, wow. I can't believe y'all trusted me with this again. Mm. (laughs) Um, But we are really excited to share a conversation that I had with a friend of ours. His name is Nathan Che. Uh, He's one of my close friends from youth group and... Mm. Or, well, we serve together in youth, not (laughs) my my youth group. group (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Matt and Nji, you guys don't know... No, I've only like met him once when I was serving in Bible study. Um, and that's it. <laughs> I don't have too much of an impression of him besides that he seemed to really have a passion for the youth. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of exciting going to this just blank mm-hmm. and just hearing hearing what he has to say. Yeah. And this episode is, uh, so this weekend is Easter Sunday and Palm Sunday. It's like Holy Week. Right. This uh, is yeah, this, this, this week Sunday. is the start of Holy Week. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you all know, uh, one thing that ties us together mm-hmm. as part of our identity is our faith. Yes. And so we really wanted to have an episode where that was featured. And mm-hmm. I think we've had a lot of chances to hear kind of our perspective. And so I thought it would be great to bring in, or we thought, mm-hmm. not me, this is a team effort. We thought it'd be great to bring in someone and have them share their testimony mm-hmm. and I thought it'd be a great idea to get some live reactions of like, ooh. Yeah. I'm kind of excited about this setup. I feel like this is the creative side that Wani has from being such a podcast snob all these years. <laughs> so so it's kind of cool to hear a recording of Nathan and hear his story. And then hopefully Matt and I can have some authentic reactions and questions to it. Yeah. All right. Y'all ready? Let's, let's get it going. Okay. All right. Without further ado, here is Nathan Chang. Hi, Nathan. <laughs> hey, Wani. How's it going? I mean, it can't be better. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to the podcast. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> um, do you want to take a second and maybe like quickly introduce yourself? However you want to take that. Sure. I mean, I don't know how far you want me to go here. <laughs> I mean, um, uh, my name is Nathan Chang. I'm 40 years old, married, two kids. Uh, one actually just got his license uh, oh, Congratulations. Today. So, um, yeah, he drove me on, he actually passed me on the road for the first time. And that was so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say hi? Did you wave to uh, each other? Uh, we waved. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. At least he waved. So, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you were only 40 years old. Yeah. Wow. That blows my mind. <laughs> we're only like 11 years that. apart. I don't know how to take that. You thought I was older. Yeah, you just have a mature air about you. What can I say? I don't. You do. You do. You carry yourself very maturely. So we're doing an episode that's going to be released on Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. Um, And we just wanted to get the stories of folks who have a relationship with Christ. And in your case, you didn't grow up as a Christian. You didn't grow up in a Christian home. And so I thought that would just be like a really interesting way for our listeners to kind of get to know you and your story. And my first question to you is, where did you grow up? And can you tell me a little bit about your childhood? Uh, okay. So, um, I was born in Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. right? Um, to, to, I guess, uh, Chinese slash Taiwanese citizens that immigrated here. Um, I think, uh, they came here to go to university. Uh, we grew up in a leaf, which is, a uh, as of today, a not so nice part of Houston. <laughs> Um, yeah, you, 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 you don't, uh, you lock your doors while you drive through there, but, um, it wasn't that bad when I was younger. Interestingly enough though, my parents got divorced when I was five mm. and my father left when I was four. So I grew up w- with a single mom and she worked, uh, a lot. Mm. I think, um, right away after my father left and let's see, I think it was in first grade, my mom had to move us because we couldn't afford the house that we lived in. Mm. And we moved around a lot. Um, she had a couple of boyfriends, which is really weird. And I was a very angry and misbehaving child. Mm. I mean, we're talking in elementary school. I had, I'd say third grade, I had detention, in-building suspension, lunch detention, and morning detention all at once. And that's in third grade. (laughs) 
yeah, I was pretty angry, I think, mm. at a young age. Mm. Um, I think my mom kept moving us into better school districts because she was just kind of worried about how things were shaping up socioeconomically around us. And so, um, I think I finally ended up in uh, the land of sugar <laughs> and I went to Clements High School that was 50% Asian and 50% white. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where childhood ended, I guess. Mm. So you described yourself as angry, right? As a kid, Um, like what fueled that anger for you? You know, I, I, when I look back, I was definitely angry at my father. Mm. Um, I thought that he had abandoned us Mm. and I was really upset because I didn't have a father. Everybody else had fathers at all the events and, you know, uh, fathers to take them to sporting events, to their sports, you know? Um, I, I, I even remember my mom always always just speaking of ill of my father mm. all the time too, which I think fueled some of that hate. And, um, at the end of the day, I never really got to know him because my mother really forbid us from having a relationship with him. Mm. I, I would only see him once a month to pick up our child support check. Mm. He lived in the same city. Oh, so he was still there. He was yeah. still around. Yeah. Yeah. But not in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Can you tell me about a specific moment that you can remember from your childhood where you really felt that hole that gap that he left behind yeah i think by the time i was in middle school i was actually like a budding tennis athlete Mm. right like i even you know started to get pretty highly ranked in 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 state in super championships and there were always fathers Mm. you know in the sidelines cheering for their kids you know high-fiving their kids and i won my first tournament and uh um that is actually what got me to rank up for the first time. And I remember the kid that I beat, he, he, he ranked up too because he was, he's good. You get to the finals, you're pretty good. Next tournament, you'll get there. Yeah. But his dad was there to console him. And that I think really, really hurt for some reason. And I didn't understand it back then. Yeah. How do you think about that moment now? Well, now it's a whole, it's very, very different because, yeah. you know, there's just so much that's been revealed to me over the years about what really happened between my mother and my father. Mm. Yeah. Can you tell me more about that moment? Like what? Uh, I think it was just one day we're having dinner with my aunt at her house and she just kind of shared like, you know, your dad loves you guys so much. And I was like, uh, really? <laughs> and yeah. she was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, she could sense, you know, that, that kind of, uh that disdain I had in my, in my voice. And, and she, um, she just, you know, said, Whoa, hang on a second. Maybe you don't know. Mm. And she just started, you know, describing it all. My father fought really hard for custody Mm. and in Texas, you just won't win. So at the end of the day, he was sort of relegated just to being, um, whatever it is that my mother wanted him to be. Mm. And he just didn't want to rock the boat. So like, uh, there was just kind of this heartwarming slash, you know, tear filled moment where, yeah, we, we kind of reconciled and he just shared that, you know, I always really wanted you guys, mm. you know, it, it, it all just kind of made sense. Mm. Like why would a father have been in their kids? They probably wouldn't if they had the choice, right. If they didn't feel like the circumstances were just too insurmountable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, we're, we're, we're still trying to repair things. There's just yeah. so much time that was lost, but um, he lives in Sydney, Australia. Oh, wow. <laughs> of, of, of all the, pla- the, the most really re- across the other side of the world, <laughs> the most remote place in like all the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a prison colony. Um, so he, uh, interesting. Yeah, we, we just don't see each other. But, um, when I was doing a lot of international traveling, every time I went to Australia, I would go and visit him and then he would come here once a year and he would stay at my house and, um, it was really a treat because he loved my kids and, you know, my kids loved him yeah. and yeah, it was, um, we, we were just able to really start loving each other. I think for the first time, probably more so I was able to start loving my dad for the first time. Mm. And that was like in my thirties. Yeah. I want to get back to that later. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to hold okay. on to that thought because right. uh, I feel like there's something deeper there, but I'm. Uh, I'm curious to kind of see like how that timing plays out, but, um, so you and your mom and sister or Mm -hmm. siblings, Mm -hmm. just you and your sister, right? Yep. Okay. So you, you all had moved to Sugarland at that point and you're in your teenage years. Uh, can you describe for me like what those years were like for you? 
I think coming from where I came from, like geographically, you know, automatically that, that, that you sort of take on this bad boy moniker because <laughs> I come from like the ghetto. Um, but I was not a good student. Mm. You know, my sister went to Northwestern, so I think she did well. Right. Mm. I, uh, no, I mean, I, I remember like e even almost failing a semester of geometry. I remember failing a semester of pre-calculus. No, I like high school was like really terrible for me academically. Um, it was great. I think in every other way though, love the social aspect, love sports. Obviously I played tennis the entire time, varsity. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, but I think immediately after my sister left, it was kind of lonely, mm. right? We have this, you know, four bedroom house and there's just two of us in it. And my mom works, uh, probably more than full time. Mm. Yeah. So you're home alone a lot. Oh yeah. 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 And it wasn't until I finally got my car that, yeah, I, I had all the freedom to do whatever the heck I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. And I could connect more, spend more time with classmates and things like that. Yeah. But that opened up a whole nother can of worms. <laughs> what, what do you mean by, uh, what do you mean by can of worms? Um, I think that there's a lot of, like, there's just a lot of bad things that happened. Um, you know, looking back man, I wish, uh, if I could go back to my, my previous self, you know, if I go back to past Nathan, um, yeah, I would definitely explain how much more he needed Jesus because there were just so many wounds that I ended up inflicting upon myself mm. when I was 16 through twenties mm. and it all started in my, in, when I was 16. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me about, yeah. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. Um, yeah, everything from, you know, partying, lots of rebellion uh, away from my mother, hurting my mother a lot. I mean, there would be days where I just wouldn't come home. Mm. Of course, I had my own job. I could pay for whatever I wanted because um, I liked working and having money. Um, skip class. And then, of course, there's, you know, teen sex and even teen pregnancy that ended up hitting us. Mm. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, a lot of brokenness and I wish I could go back. Yeah. Yeah. How did, how did you handle all of that? Not well. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think by the time I hit 18 and it's like, I'd say it's, uh, it's about, it, it's, it's my last semester and I'm, I'm sort of freeze a bird as, as senioritis is sinking in. Yeah. I think that's the moment that I realized how terrible of a son I was. Mm. That was the moment that I realized how many terrible things that I put my mother through, how many different ways I hurt her, how many different ways I um, just turned away from her. And of course, all the different people I hurt through all of that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, that I was able to actually apologize to her and say, I've been pretty terrible. How did you, how did you tell your mom? Like, how did that conversation go? Uh, I think, um, I just started noticing that I didn't care as much about a lot of the things that I cared about, like the way I dressed, um, chasing after girls, you know, constantly wanting to be away from home and just not be at home because home was depressing. Somehow I just started to realize that all the things that I was trying to run from really didn't matter. Mm. If that, that's, that's the way it feels like right now. Of course, I, I have a very, very different set of lenses on. Yeah. 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 And when you say run away from, I mean, it sounds like you had kind of like that relationship with your dad, but also now this like tumultuous relationship with your mom. Like what, yeah. what were you trying to run away from? I just, I just wanted to feel like I didn't need anybody else. Mm. I just wanted to be completely independent and not have to rely on anybody else. Because I think, um, young Nathan, uh, just really didn't want to be vulnerable to being hurt by anybody else. Mm. Why is that? Because you've been hurt a lot as a young kid. I think, I think broken marriages, um, 
are like nuclear bombs and the fallout goes very, very far. Yeah. Yeah. Divorce is not just a legal separation. It is a explosion. Yeah. I can't remember what being loved by two parents that loved each other felt like. Mm. I don't really know. I think, um, I think all I can tell you is that my mother was constantly bitter and very, very paranoid from then on. And that's what I know my mother to, to still be like. portion of his story but that where you're gonna yeah thoughts yeah it's just crazy how much someone just identifies with what was like done to them and what they were surrounded with i mean it just reinforces so much why our greatest commandments are just like to love and to forgive honestly to love because i think just being around love and feeling love is like the only way to learn how to love and to like seek love. And, you know, for the story where this person has been abandoned essentially over and over by his father, even if it wasn't his father's intent and by his sister, even if it wasn't his sister's intent, but just that feeling, you know, and it sounds like he just owned that and he decided to abandon everything that was around him Mm. because it's just what he was used to. And, what felt easier probably in the moment. And yeah, it's, it's almost like how do some people even have a chance early on if all they feel are like negative emotions and they don't feel the things that, you know, we're, we hope to feel and we hope that other people feel it's just a, it's a heartbreaking story, but it's, I mean, it's also, I think evident of just how, quickly even God maybe was moving in his life without him even realizing it just I mean in a two-year span where he sunk into that you know even by the age of 18 already stirring in his heart to like speak to his mother and apologize and start feeling that kind of like internal tug to pursue other things and and leave that you know those kind of dark years behind I mean it's pretty impressive how early on I think God was even moving in him to kind of change the course of his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just hearing it, um, my heart just breaks for what Nathan went through, you know. Mm. And I'm, you know, this is a story of I'm I'm excited, I'm hopeful that it's a story of redemption, and I I believe it is, knowing who he is in our church. But yeah, just hearing all these experiences really just breaks my heart. Um, and yeah, like like Matt said, how how does someone stand a chance when when there are so many domino effect type um, things that do happen. And so thanks Nathan for sharing even up to here. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be curious to ask you, Wani, because now when I hear the story, I first see it through the lens of like being the father in the story Yeah, because I'm a father and that's such a strong part of my identity now. So even before I put myself like in my younger years shoes and identify with him, I I'm actually first identifying with his father and hearing the story from that lens. Mm. But I'd be curious kind of what your initial reaction was and how you internalized what what he was sharing. Yeah, I think the moment that really stuck out to me was when he shared just like this last part, you know, and knowing how different our life stories are. I think when I compare what Nathan had to go through and what I was privileged to not have to go through, I think there's just like a, a huge gap and i think for me i was just like didn't really understand a lot of the times that what he was talking about but when he was just talking about like the nuclear bomb that goes off at the mm-hmm. end that image just stuck with yeah me, like I'm, I'm seeing the explosion yeah and just the ripple effects that it has and i 
I think this is something that we're going to go into a little bit later, but knowing, mm-hmm. like you said, knowing who he is now, mm-hmm. I'm like, I have a personal relationship yeah, with Nathan. Way. Yeah. And I'm just amazed, you know? Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, in the room when we were talking and he, and he said that it was just pretty, pretty quiet. Um, mm. Very, I just felt like, wow, like, what do you even say to that? You know? Um, yeah. I mean, as he's sharing, like for me, I'm envisioning so many, so many students I've had who mm. grew up in parts that, like he said, you, you drive through and you want to hurry up and pass by, you know, and just like the brokenness at home and, and the escape you find and the freedom. I don't know, just everything. So I'm, I'm still processing, but I'm, yeah. I'm like really clinging on to the truth of what can happen for him and almost like wanting to claim that whatever that is for, for students I've been praying for for the past years mm-hmm. and i think the last thing i would add is the other one of the other lens i'm viewing the story at is that as a mental health professional because i've heard this story Ooh, hundreds of times mm. but yeah. what i'm really excited to hear because people it's hard for people to get out of that and i'm mm-hmm. excited to hear how god was this overreaching avenue to do Mm -hmm. so because to me it's just a reminder of like the power of what god can do because trust me it's hard for someone to get out of that cycle and just knowing we have like us like we have god on our side to overcome that is already like pretty inspiring inspiring so i'm really eager to to hear it yeah definitely so we're going to skip forward in his life a little bit. And just to fill in the gaps for y'all, Nathan goes off to a few different schools. He doesn't go to college at first. Uh, he goes to hmm. uh, UT Provisionals, which I don't know exactly what that is. Um, and then he goes to A&M for a little while and then he comes back home. Um, and all throughout that, he just has that party lifestyle. I okay. think at this point he hasn't really, he doesn't, hasn't really met Jesus mm-hmm. and anything like that. But um, while the, all this is happening, his mom marries uh, another man who is a believer and mm-hmm. she ends up becoming a Christian. She ends up becoming a believer. Wow. Yeah, which is pretty amazing to hear as I was listening to his story. Um, and Nathan learns a lot from this man. Uh, he's a really great guy, uh, guides him and mentors him. Uh, Nathan gets baptized, but like at that point, he doesn't really understand exactly what Mm. baptism means, right? His Mm. mom just encourages him and pushes him to, to go through with this. And, uh, at this point in his life, he, when we pick up the story again, he is in his last year in college and he's about to enter into a new chapter of his life. Wow. Great summary. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, one thing I did forget to mention the reconciliation that Nathan talked about with his dad Mm -hmm. that happened in college. So that happened during the college years. Mm -hmm. And so to give you some context, yeah, to give you some context, the pretty much all throughout his childhood, he didn't really have a relationship with his dad Mm -hmm. um, up until kind of in in the deeper part of his relationship with his dad started in college. Okay. Uh, And then uh, the reconciliation happened a little bit before that, but that's kind of when everything happened. Mm. Yeah. I met my wife um, at the age of 20, I think 21. I was 21. Yeah. Um, I was about to turn 22. And she had just graduated Mm -hmm. and she was back in Houston. Do you know this story? No. Well... Even if I did, you should tell it, you know, you should oh, you tell do, it anyway. You do know it though? I, kind of, kind oh, of. Okay. Crazy. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, <laughs> she's going to hate me for this. She's really going to hate me for this. Uh, we met at a bar. It was my buddy's 21st birthday. So you know what those are like. And um, yeah, she, she was our waitress. Mm. Uh, I guess she, she, you know, just had, had just come back and was looking for a job after she graduated. And yeah, I was like, oh. There's a, there's a hot chick, you know, uh, chat her up. <laughs> so anyways, uh, she agreed to have lunch with me the next day. Well, we were talking that night and she had shared that we went to the same middle school together. 
and that we're the same age, I was like, oh, wow, how do we know, not know each other? Well, you know, we know some, some people that, that are the same. So, you know, that's okay. And so we, we went on a couple of dates somewhere, somewhere in there. She had a boyfriend. I, I didn't know that, whatever. <laughs> That, that that somehow got fixed or didn't, I, I can't tell you, but uh, we, we kept dating. And about three months in, you know, she, she's, she's moving. So we're packing some boxes and I found a yearbook from middle school, sixth grade. And in, in the yearbook, there is a pink heart around my picture. Hope that, <laughs> I hope that picture doesn't surface, but um, you know, I, I, I wasn't thinking anything. I was just like pe people drawing each other's yearbooks and, you know, maybe one of her friends, you know, thought it was cute, whatever, you know. <laughs> and then, you know, people sign yearbooks and they leave little messages in the margins, right. right? And in the cover. And that's when I saw it. You know, they they said things like, oh, maybe Nathan will notice you next oh. year. <laughs> and that's when I was like, you lied. <laughs> no, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm incredibly flattered, you know. Yeah. Like, how could you not be really, really flattered? And so... uh yeah. Uh, she lied. She knew exactly who I was. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you guys talk about that moment when uh, you came into the restaurant and she became your... Did she do that on purpose? Wait, you think? which restaurant? Like, like oh, the, the bar or the bar oh, that you no, guys no, went yeah, to. Yeah, she knew who I was. Yeah. So, yeah, she, is, she became your waitress on purpose. Yeah, I think she... There's <laughs> no way she didn't know. She's like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, yeah, we never we never gone into that. Uh, I think she's embarrassed enough. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I was fine with it, and you know, uh, I remember. I think it was like literally the second week we were dating. She told me she was going to marry me, and that wow. didn't that didn't scare me off. Trust wow. me, wow, that's it surprising. Sh it should have. <laughs> and we did end up getting married, mm. but not before we got pregnant. Mm. Tell me more. <laughs> Uh, that, that was really hard. Yeah. Um, that was really hard for a number of different reasons. Uh, obviously we're not ready. Mm. Uh, I'm in my last semester, by the way. And how I, old are you guys at this point? Uh, 22. Okay. Both of you. Yeah. 22. Yeah. So I'm in my last semester at UH, just trying to finish up obviously as soon as possible. So I yeah. can go work. And my mother, who's, who's a Christian, um, and my sister, who's not, to break us up, my sister and my mother shipped me off to China and convinced me to go and spend some time in China so that I could clear my head. But clearly, they were trying to split me away from my soon-to-be wife. Mm. And it didn't work. I spent a couple of months out there and nope, nope, nope. I want to I I go home. I don't want to have a baby. I want to spend the rest of my life with Irene. Mm. And that's what I did. Mm. Yeah, we came home, had the baby, a uh, couple, well, I think it was like six months after that got married. And why, why did your mom and your sister want so desperately to break you guys up? <sighs> I don't know. Um, I think that they thought that that was going to ruin my life for some reason. Mm. Were you scared at all? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I had no idea what, what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. How did you handle that? Clearly I ran away. Yeah. Do you think you ran away because, because I think the way that you described it earlier was like, oh, my mom and my sister made me do this, you know? But do you think part of you wanted to, to run away? Yeah, I think part of me did. Mm. Um, there was just, there's just so much shame in, in what we've done mm. and even more shame in what I was being asked to do mm. and what we were being pressured to consider. How, how did you think about like what to do about this pregnancy? I basically left it like a coward with my wife. Mm. Mm. Do you think about that time a lot? No. Yeah. I don't think I ever want to go back and think about that time. Yeah. Yeah. That still fills both of us with um, a lot of shame and a lot of uh, regret. And I think it definitely uh, reminds my wife of some of the darkest times that she ever lived through. Mm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Mm. Yeah, I think as as he was sharing that story with me, I you could I I, I felt the weight of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think specifically when he talked about having essentially just leaving Irene yeah. on her own. Yeah. You know? And 
Yeah. Was he a believer at this time? No, he no. wasn't. He got baptized, but not really knowing right. what that really meant. Right. And I think that was the extent of... It just seems like there's so much protection over them yeah. already happening. But, man. Yeah, that's a situation that can really tear you multiple ways at one time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as we were... I was kind of talking to him about it uh, a little later and... I think it's something that, and he talked about it here too, but something that I think still has a lot of weight mm. on them, you know? And uh, I know each of us carry our yeah. own weights in life and the burdens that we put on ourselves. And I think this just seems like one of those really big stones uh, as, he, as he was describing it. Uh, it, was, it was very, yeah, it was very heavy. Have they had conversations with their children about this? I actually don't know. Mm -hmm. I know I was asking Ethan, his son, mm -hmm. and telling him, hey, your dad's on my podcast. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'll go listen. Because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like Stephen's been on here, so who knows if youth kids could right. kind of find their way. Yeah. And I think that's one thing I am curious mm -hmm. about, you know, as a family, if they listen to this story. And mm -hmm. Nathan's a pretty open guy. Yeah. And they have a really great relationship with Ethan and yeah. Aaron, their two sons. And it's, I don't know. I'm curious though. Yeah. Like, as parents, would you all have that conversation? Well, I was thinking, I mean, separate from that, I was thinking, because you mentioned how much weight it still carries to him and his wife. But imagine the weight on his mother and sister mm. too, that they probably still carry. I don't know if that's going to be talked about later or if that's something you know of that dynamic now, but yeah, I mean, something like this, I think puts a, puts a lasting weight on everyone who yeah. is involved. Yeah. Uh, he, I talked to him about his marriage over the next few years. Uh, and that is something that I think has been really difficult to overcome in that relationship with, uh, there with Irene and, and her in-laws and mm. you know like what do you do in mm -hmm. that situation mm -hmm. you know if I was in Nathan's shoes if I was in Irene's mm -hmm. shoes I really don't know what I would do yeah because like what he spoke to the fact that you know family has such a strong influence and it's mm -hmm. so hard to sometimes separate that which is something I'm still like learning how to do and and I feel like yeah like you said like our stories are more privileged in certain ways you know and that's still so hard for me to um, separate sometimes. Yeah. Also, <laughs> Irene, like it sounds really cute, but also it could sound like those like crime stories where like they find and investigate a pink heart over like a. <laughs> Anyways, I think it's really cute though. Like that meat is. I don't think it's a meat cute, but the fact that she had a crush on him and yeah. then they ended up together, it's like pretty that's amazing freaking story. adorable. Yeah. Yeah, first time I couldn't stop cracking up. So that's the second time I've heard that story. Mm. It's just as good the second time. Like, uh, yeah, and the fact that someone wrote that, maybe you'll notice. That is super cute. Yeah, that was wow. really cute. So uh, this next portion of his story, we're gonna jump to his life as a parent now. And um, unfortunately, just the nature of podcasts, like we can't. I I wish I could pull in all of his story because there's a lot of amazing things that he talked about to, to catch you all up on where his life has been at this point. Him and Irene got married uh, after uh, having Ethan, but their marriage went through a lot of ups and downs. Um, obviously, like we talked about the strain that having an early pregnancy, the strain of uh, mother and sister-in-law who suggested running away, like that was a lot of strain in their marriage. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think because of the way that Nathan had grown up and, uh, Irene's parents are also di divorced. And so just a lot of brokenness in their own marriage and pain that they haven't probably like worked through on their own that resulted in just a lot of, yeah, a lot of ups and downs in their marriage. And, uh, they almost get a divorce actually uh, mm. really early on in their divorce, uh, in their marriage. It was like six months in. Oh. Yeah. And um, yeah. And I think it, it, for me, it was like a reminder of like, you know, these things happen in, in cycles, you mm -hmm. know, as if you are 
if you're a child of something like this, like it, it just plays itself over and over again. But mm-hmm. um, thankfully, uh, they kind of navigate through this period and are able to kind of come out relatively okay on the other side. They go through several <laughs> periods of uh, marriage counseling. Uh, their second son, Aaron, is born. Um, him and Ethan are about uh, five, six years apart. And um, when uh, we pick up the story now, they've actually had uh, almost a decade of pretty stable life together. Ooh. Yeah. And so uh, they live in Sugarland. Ethan or Nathan has worked his way up. He has a pretty steady job, stable family. He loves wow. to ride his bike. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's the Nathan I met. <laughs> yeah. The Nathan that you know now mm-hmm. is a Nathan that has become where he is mm-hmm. at this point in the story. Uh, and this is where this is where we pick up. Ethan, when he was born, he was born with this small lump in his right forearm. Mm. And you know, the, the doctor just said, hey, it's a fluid-filled sack. You know, it'll probably just get reabsorbed. But it never really went away. Um, around the age of 10, uh, it started to grow. And it probably grew to the size of an egg. Mm. And that's when the doctor was like, this is not good. You need to go and have it uh, uh, MRI'd. Uh, they take the MRI and they're like, uh, it looks like a tumor. Mm. And so, they said it has to be biopsied. It, this is all new for us. We're not in the medical profession. And, um, yeah, um, they, it luckily comes back benign, but it's actually growing at a very fast rate and it's resting on the nerves for his hand. There's a, just a matrix of nerves that run through your forearm. Um, so he was, he was, he was actually having some pain and, and having some like uh, neuropathy in his fingers and things like that. And so, um, yeah, they were going to have to operate. And that's, um, that was a, that was a tough time. Mm. Yeah. Um, we, we, we've never really had any problems. Like it was, it was like, it was like we were on cruise control for nine years. Yeah. I, I can't even look back and see anything significant for nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of my wife's friends from her spin class studio said, hey, why don't you come over to our house? You know, we do this thing called house church. Mm. And uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not somebody that wanted to go to church. <laughs> I don't need church. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. We don't need church. We're fine. Why, why would we need church? So my wife calls me, uh, no, I call her on, on my way home on a Friday and I was like, Hey, you know, you want me to pick up something for dinner? She's like, no, no, um, we're going to house church and, uh, they, they've got, they, they'll feed us. And I was yeah. like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I have no idea why she would want to go. You know, yeah. she, she, she never ever expressed any interest in church and, and yeah. So I was like, ah, okay. Um, what about the kids? Uh, they're going to go too. There's kids there. I was like, what? All right. Uh, where is it? It's just down the street. I was like, uh, okay. All right. I, I guess we'll go. We'll see what that, that, that's going to be like. Um, yeah, I walked in and uh, my cousin was there. I knew all the people because my cousin had kids too. Uh-huh. And so, uh, at the birthday parties, all these people would be there. Uh, they, they've even been to a Christmas dinner with my grandmother and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I've met these people before. So it was very easy to just walk in and just say, Hey, what's this? <laughs> you know, yeah. this can't be all bags. I already know all you people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, we started going to house church, but the second house church. So bef- during the week between two house churches. We get a phone call that the first surgeon that was going to operate on my son wouldn't do the surgery Mm. because it was too complicated. And so, they said that the best surgeon was this gentleman in Texas Children's Hospital. Well, you know, he he wasn't answering our phone calls. So, my wife was really, really worried, like crying a lot, worried. And uh, so, we end up at house church and she's crying all about it. And... Kat's husband, Kat's my cousin. Your cousin. Mm -hmm. Is a plastic surgeon at TCH, Texas Children's. And, 
you know, he, of course, you know, just nonchalantly, he's like, like, what, what's the guy's name? And, you know, my, my wife tells him and, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's my colleague. <laughs> um, I actually, and he was like, you know, I, I, I specialize in cleft palates and, and hands. So he, you know, he's like, that's my colleague. So, um, let me just text him real quick. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, my wife's sitting there crying and, and explaining all this stuff. And then he comes back, he's like, yeah, he'll do it. And I was like, what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, of course, my, my wife and I don't understand what happened, mm. but everybody else in the house church understood what happened. If you know what I mean. Right. And so I was just like, uh, I didn't have, a, you know, a, a super emotional response. My wife did, of course. You know, I was just like, oh, wow, that's just, that's just like the craziest thing. Yeah. But I'll take it. Yeah. It's like, what you a know? coincidence. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful coincidence. Yeah. Just, yeah. You know, everybody else is like, praise God, you know, hallelujah. Like, you know, you know, God is so good. And I'm just saying like, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You, um, then you fast forward to the surgery, right? Mm. And and now we're, I don't know, six house churches in, something like that. We, we, we never stopped going, you know. Um, there's no way my wife is going to not go to house church now. Mm. And um, the, the doctors are like, it, it is really complicated. So, there's like two, two main scenarios. Um, one, the nerves run through the tumor and we have to cut the nerves. And then your son loses the use of his hand for at least six months. Mm. And, um, we actually have to cut nerves out of his legs that he doesn't need to walk. And then we'll splice them into his arm. And then you'll have to wait for the nerves to grow through the nail, uh, housing or matrix. And that's going to take at least six months. And of course my wife's like devastated. And of course the, the other scenario is, is it goes around the tumor and we just cut the tumor out. It's no big deal, you know? Uh, so, you know, of course, you know, everybody's praying for, um, the latter and we, uh, we get into surgery and Eddie's there at every appointment. You know, he even makes sure to be at the surgery. He's, he's there like, you know, praying for us. And he said, he's going to, you know, be in the surgeries to make sure mm -hmm. he doesn't have to do all those things, but he does them just really, really calming presence and supportive and encouraging presence mm. and just pure gift from God in hindsight, obviously, you know, I, I still didn't know what was happening. You know, God, God, God was working. People would tell me God's working, but really? Yeah. And, um, yeah, it, it, Ethan's fine. Pull the tumor out. wasn't, didn't have to cut any nerves. You know, his, his arm will, you know, feel a little awkward for like a month because, you know, the nerves are stretched, but He'll make a full recovery. Mm. And that, I think, uh, that was just an incredible miracle. All of it. And so, after that, there was no, there was no stopping going to house church after that. Um, I know, right? It's pretty wild. Yeah. I did Amazing. not expect that to be how, like, the shift. Do you know, or like the start of the shift, because mm. there's just so much like brokenness, so much diff, so many different experiences or incidents in his in their entire story. Mm -hmm. um, but wow, just the somebody. Oh, that's my colleague. Yeah, it's amazing. It's also like it's crazy because he can't remember. He's feeling or they've them feeling like it was cruise control for nine years. Mm -hmm. And like really just the impact of like the health of their child can just be like huge in comparison. Dang, God was really with them. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. He's like, you know, like I didn't know this was what was going on, but like now he can say it knowing now, but then he's still saying like, I didn't know then. And then you talk about, yeah. And everyone else is like, God is good. And they're just like, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. We scored the surgeon. Woohoo. You know, like that's probably in their mind, but it's like, you know, they're praising and it's, it's kind of crazy how, how they can like celebrate that later. Mm -hmm. What the, what everyone else was celebrating in the moment. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I feel like hearing stories like this, it's one of my favorite ways to like bolster my own faith, but I think even to to share yeah. faith with others is sharing these events that are like impossible outside of 
either a ridiculous coincidence or a clear greater kind of power and purpose. So yeah. it's always really encouraging to me to hear these God moments in, in people's lives. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to it again now, I'm realizing this is the same guy who tried to run away from all his problems. Right. This is the same guy who wanted to be independent his entire life and never, and, and just wanted to solve his problems on his own, you mm-hmm. know? But here is a situation that you just can't, you can't do anything. Like, what mm-hmm. can you do? Mm-hmm. Surgeon's not picking up the phone call. We don't know if the tumor is going through or around his nerves. There's so many things that are outside of your control, mm-hmm. but God just steps in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And in that moment, it's so easy to think like, wow, I just got so lucky. Yeah. You know, everything just worked out so perfectly. But, you know, I think we all know. Yeah. Right. What really happened. And it's, it's pretty amazing, I think. Even just listening to it again, it's, it's pretty wild. And it's so simple. Just like the spin class friend says, mm-hmm. come here. Oh, okay. Oh, there's kids. Oh, I know that person. So I'm comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'll stay oh, let's just cry and maybe since I'm sad, I'll share what mm-hmm. I feel. And then, oh, wait, okay, then, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I think even as I was listening, I was like, I couldn't wait for this like redemption part because like, dang, they've been through so much, you yeah. know, but it's like so simple too. It's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't have to be this, mm-hmm. you know, and even in the simplicity of events, like you can sit here and as believers be like, man, God is so good. Yeah. And and the power of that is the same, whether it was a sequential events type of thing or the, oh my gosh, I saw an angel on the road type of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the same, in the end, it's like, God is still so good. Yeah. And happy for Ethan and, and them too. No, Aaron. Ethan. Ethan. Yeah. Okay. His first one. Yeah. Oh, it was Ethan. Oh, this mm-hmm. is all. Okay. This is all Ethan. Yeah. 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 And so the this next portion of his story. So they've been going to house church for a, for a while now, and during these next few months that we talked about in his life, he just talked about how he just ended up giving up more and more of his life mm-hmm. for to do community and church, mm-hmm. right? And this is, he hasn't really, like he doesn't really know what's going on right now at this point, right? He doesn't, mm-hmm. he, we have the benefit of hindsight, but Nathan's kind of mm-hmm. just doing his thing. This is like, he's experiencing something good. He's experiencing mm-hmm. fellowship at church. He's getting to experience what it looks like to serve meals at church. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are asking him to like help clean up around church and they're asking him to give up bike riding on Sunday and he does it and mm-hmm. he like experiences more and more. Uh, and that's where we pick up in the story now. And so finally they were like, Hey, you know, um, you should go to RJM. Which stands for receiving Jesus meeting. Yeah. And that's where they explained the gospel. Yeah. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. And Irene didn't know what it was. And, uh, I was actually like, you know, you know, I've been baptized, right? So I don't need to go to that. And they're like, ah, you should go, go with you, go, go support your wife. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll go support my wife. That, yeah, sure. I should sit next to her. You're right. Mm. And of course, Irene's like, what, what is this? What is this? I was like, I don't know. How the heck should I know? He's going to talk about Jesus. What's wrong with that? You know, Jesus. So we, we, we get in there and, you know, th- this is back when I, I think they allowed your house church members to come and sit with you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I got like, I got like Don Chang and Joe Yu sitting in the back. They had to sit on the ground because there's so many people in RJM that yeah. day. It's like 20 people. And, uh, you know, Pastor just starts asking everybody very pointed questions. You know, the first one's like, are you going to heaven or hell? <laughs> you, yeah. Yeah. You've been in it. Yeah. And, I, and, and, you know, you know, I think the first few people just couldn't answer, but some people are like, yeah, I'm definitely going to heaven. Oh, I'm, de- I'm going to hell. And then, uh, you know, he looked at me, I was like, you know, it's just not that simple. You know, my answer, you know, I, very I was, typical Nathan. Answer, yeah. Actually. Like, you know, it's, it's just, it's just not that simple P, yeah. you know, like, you know, um, yeah, th- there's more to it. It's not black and white. Mm. And he was like, yeah, it is. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, what? And like, yeah, he just, he just, he just schooled me I, like he does once a month. Mm-hmm. Right. Once a month. Like, uh, he, he, he must love that feeling. <laughs> he must, he must love that feeling to just reveal the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, he, he just revealed it to me. He was like, you know, either 
either you accept Christ and you're going to heaven or you're not. And I was just like, oh, Mm. then as of right now, I guess I'm going to hell. And I just couldn't help just crying. Mm. And uh, just just the Holy Spirit just came over me. That's all I could call it. Because back then I didn't understand what it was. Yeah. And I just, all I could say was like, I'm just being led. I am being led to say yes. And that's it. Yeah. I don't know what is leading me. You know, PE, you're, 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 you're cute, but no, <laughs> I don't think it's you, dude. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I, I accepted Christ that day for the first time. Mm. And so did my wife. And I think, um, yeah, after that, the Holy Spirit just kind of kept growing. Mm. Yeah. I think this is a good reminder for me, just even like classes like RJM, which, you know, we, we've we been talking about that too, like, uh, it's formality, like some sometimes, you know, for, for believers, but even like feeling like, not like a, a rebuking of myself right now, but even in those chances, like to pray for, for people who like, this is that moment for them where they're yeah. truly accepting Christ for the first time. And that's like incredibly special and, and yeah, just like grateful that he had that place to, you know, the house church members like, yeah, just go support your wife, yeah. like meet them where they are, like yeah. play into the whatever identity they have. But really mm-hmm. it's like, no, you're going to, you're about to get rocked yourself. you know. <laughs> and then hearing, I don't know any of those people personally, but like Don Chang and Joe, you are the house church members, I guess. Uh-huh. So that's like kind of like powerhouse people that we're aware of as like newbies to new life so yeah. that's pretty cool yeah i think that moment where I, when he was saying it's really not that simple mm-hmm. that is such a nathan thing to say mm-hmm. uh but i was just struck by like yeah it is oh, i guess it is that simple mm-hmm. and i think just his, his honesty in mm-hmm. being and i think recognizing that yeah he is baptized he knows what church is but he recognizes in that moment, oh, I am going to hell. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have that relationship with Jesus. And I think that was a powerful moment to listen to. Yeah. All right. And he, uh, yeah, at the end, this last part, I just had a chance to kind of just ask him some questions about how he feels about all this now, right? looking back on it. What would you say is the biggest difference in your life now before you met Christ and after? I mean, oh man, it's probably a tie between two things. Yeah. I think the first, I'd say the biggest difference for me, the biggest difference is in my marriage. Mm. I think that, you know, we always harbored so much resentment towards each other. And there was always, um, there was always a lot of bitterness. Even some of the most happy moments in our life, there was still just some, dark resentment. And I think all of that we're starting to reconcile, but I think that God has really started to open my eyes to how very, very important my wife is, how, how, what, what being yoked really should look like. Mm. Like it was, it was even just today. She reminded me, um, when I was just feeling down and I was just feeling a bit helpless. Even then she reminded me and encouraged me and just got me to sort of shift another two degrees back to have my focus on Christ. Mm. And that I think is just invaluable to have that in your spouse and to rely on them in that way, to know that she's always gonna be there to uh, lift me up, but in a way that brings me back to my savior. Like at the end of the day, when you give your life to Christ, you actually start to realize that you have to be saved every day. Mm -hmm. And I think that she, um, she is probably the most important person on earth that fulfills that role in my life. Mm -hmm. And so that I think is, um, that's the biggest change Mm -hmm. is that I see her, I see her as somebody that I have to depend on. Mm -hmm. You said there were two. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I think the second, the second is being able to forgive myself. I think that the reason that I felt so bitter was that I was so, so very ashamed of all the things that I did. Mm. Um, I didn't think that I was worthy. Even after getting baptized, there's still so much in our hearts and so much history that we have without Christ that has to be reconciled. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that's that sort of refinement is happening. He is taking away these burdens and allowing forgiveness in places that I wouldn't allow myself to be forgiven mm. in places that I was um, convinced that I was bad and convinced that I was unworthy. And I think that the identity that he's given me now has just lifted all of that away or is lifting it all away. It's a process. Yeah. Yeah. I think that hits home for me because I think that's something I've been reflecting and learning a lot about too recently. Uh, I think, yeah, that I think you are sometimes your biggest judge, right? Mm -hmm. Like you reflect and you know exactly what you were thinking when you did this, you know, exactly how you're feeling when you did this. And I, I think there are a lot of moments when you think about yourself, like, man, like if I knew someone else was doing that, I would never forgive that person, you know? And I think it's just wild to think that there's someone that knows exactly what you did. Like, cause like God knows exactly how you, what you did and how you felt about it, you know? And he still forgives and loves anyway, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that just, that's just been blowing my mind a lot <laughs> recently, um, yeah. just on a weekly basis. Yeah. It's just, it's just we're, or I, I am just so incredibly undeserving, mm. but it's wrong of me to think that way. Yeah. It's wrong of me to not acknowledge how deserving I am because he loves me. Yeah. So that, um, that's been, it's been really nice to wake up. And to just like, think about that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That is, uh, that is Nathan Chang. Um, yeah. I, I think that last part that he was talking about. And, and, and like you guys, I shared this with you guys too, but that listening to him share that it was like, oh, that's exactly what I've been thinking mm -hmm. this last month. And realizing yeah i can forgive myself for all the like mm -hmm. stuff that i've done not because there's anything that i can do to earn that mm -hmm. forgiveness you know but god chooses to forgive and christ died because to give me that forgiveness you know and yeah. i think for him to share that at the very end i was like wow like that was just a huge I, uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what the right, yeah. right words are to, to say there, you know? Yeah. And I feel like the spirit was with you guys, even just in this conversation and how the story was shared. And, you know, even as you fill in the blanks too, since this is a podcast, right? Mm. Um, but yeah, I think even just Nathan sharing and reminding us like, every day you have to be saved over and over again. And I mm. think that really hit for me because I don't know where along these past few years, but I stopped going to the cross every day, you mm. know? And I think that's just something um, that then you become your worst critic, right? Because if you're not constantly reminding yourself of the grace that is greater than, than us on earth, like you, you point fingers at yourself, you point, for me, I point fingers at my spouse, you know, mm. then I create the bitterness that, you know, that they talked about in marriage, you know, that we also struggle with and a lot of couples do struggle with and, and can struggle with, which is why there are so many divorces in this world. And so yeah. I think it's just so important, like as he shares the victory of marriage reconciled because of their testimony together, like, I don't know, I just found 
um, really excitement in that and um, really just convicting myself to hopefully be the spin class friend, you know, mm-hmm. or, or the one that just like exudes a light um, because that's really all we can, we can do, right? Like mm-hmm. be little, little people in his grand plan because this story is such a grand story. Right. And, and then all these, it's not even like it was just somebody did something, right. It's just all these little people. And so, so I think that's something I want to reconvict myself to moved by his spirit Mm. which seems hard in this covid world right and i think that's why it's especially important for us to reflect on that this palm sunday this easter week right like how can we truly remember the cross and the importance of of that message over the fears of this world and the things that we think could impede oh oh, there's no spin class right now i don't know stuff like that but yeah 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 such an impactful story i'm really grateful for him yeah sharing and just the vulnerability yeah and just kind of going into all the nitty-gritty details of his testimony um just a lot of powerful reminders i think Mm -hmm. one of the most amazing attributes that i've always seen in god and that to me is one of the things that draws me into him more than anything is the the idea that like even even someone's sin, God makes sure that it doesn't go to waste. Mm-hmm. Like he uses it. He doesn't want yeah. us to sin, but when we do, he's not willing to let the sin happen without a purpose in the life of a believer. Mm. And that idea is always crazy to me because like, that's how big he is that even the thing that separates us from him, he's not willing to let it go without using it for our gain. And I mean, in this case, just hearing the ways that now because of what he experienced and because of what what Nathan did growing up, how it's shaped him to be like a leader in his family and a father. Um, and even, even how the sin of the people in his life maybe occurred shaped very specifically, you know, his saving grace and even him now having a testimony mm-hmm. of someone who fell into sin and fell into all the craziness that he did in those high school and college years and allowing him to share mm-hmm. and impact who knows how many people who are struggling with the same thing and that can now see what life can look like with God, you know, when you're able to conquer those things. You know, I I think it could allow Nathan to be grateful for the things he's been through, even though they're so painful because of the eternal impact that they've had on him and they can have on other people. To me, that's always blown my mind. It's been one of the characteristics of God that's always drawn me in the most. And Mm. it's super evident in this whole testimony. It's really cool. Yeah. I think one of the, like you were saying, one of the wildest things for me now, listening back to this all the way through, because I've heard this story now a lot of times. (laughs) I can probably recite this story back to you. But hearing it from beginning to end and even just filling in the blanks for the parts that we mm-hmm. weren't able to talk about, like you could just see God moving in mm-hmm. so many different places and touching his life along the way without even him realizing, you know, and yeah. I didn't really get to see that until now. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's wild. Um, so I'm really thankful, I think, to be able to hear his story and like Nathan's. Yeah. I, I don't know if I could be that vulnerable, you know, mm-hmm. knowing that <laughs> this podcast is going out and being shared, but and so should thankful. be shared because this yeah. is a great story. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so I'm just really grateful. Nathan, if you're listening, thank you, Irene. Thank, thank you, you for letting us listen to your <laughs> story. When Nathan was talking about Irene at the end, I just pictured her face with a heart around it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, full circle. Yeah. And and there's so much more to Nathan's story that I wasn't able to to share with you all, but he's such a warm and welcoming guy. Yeah. yeah so. I think that's why what testimonies are for, right? Even when you want to share your testimony, sometimes you feel like you have to share every detail, but you know, 
people like God is relational, right? And these stories show his grace and his power, but also invites you to have a relationship with brothers and sisters in community. I'm not saying everyone that's listening, like go and bombard him, <laughs> go slide into his DMs and, you know, uh, but like, you know, share these stories and share even your experiences during this time. Um, and, and just give God the glory. I, I think even one more thing that Nathan said was, um, you know, like having to forgive yourself for all the things that you did. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think something, I don't know why, but I wanted to also share in case this was for somebody else as well as I feel like lately in these last few years, I have to sit down and almost forgive myself mm-hmm. for rebuking or for feeling shame of not doing, I don't know. Um, and feeling like in that not doing, I've really disappointed him. And even remembering that that's not the type of God that God is to mm. expect those things. So so hopefully whatever reflections you have and whatever story you have, you know, this this week, um, you can just really remember what a loving, loving God he is. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening uh, and staying with us this long. Thank you again to Nathan and uh, all the folks in his life who've guided him and mentored him and now, you know, like married him even. <laughs> but yeah. We're not going to do uh, it today. <laughs> well, you know what? I think in this entire episode, what I really, really appreciate is together you too, men, son of God, right? You really helped us enjoy the one. Oh, that's where she's going. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Are you talking you about <laughs> who are you? Which two men are you? Me and Matt? <laughs> no, the, you, and, you and Nathan uh, talking. Okay. It really allowed Matt and I to enjoy, enjoy the, the wonder. wonder. <laughs> All right. Thanks, y'all. All right.